the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. So I applaud Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana. Uh, He's taking heat now, Bill Cassidy is, because yesterday on Capitol Hill, while Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, was there primarily to talk about banks and bank failures, uh, Bill Cassidy thought, hey, um, this might be a good time for me to find out if Joe Biden is really committed to saving Social Security. I mean, after all, he denigrates the Republican Party all the time on its perceived by Joe Biden attempts to cut Social Security benefits. Uh, I, Bill Cassidy, and other members here of uh, the Senate have been trying to get a meeting with Joe Biden to talk about how we fix Social Security because it is a ticking time bomb. But all Joe Biden wants to do is make up lies about Republicans. He doesn't really seem to be too interested in fixing Social Security because he hasn't met with us yet. So, Janet Yellen, what about that? president knows many people on social security then why doesn't the president care he cares very deeply then where is his plan he, he stands ready to work with Congress that's a lie address. because when a bipartisan group of senators has repeatedly requested to meet with him about social so that somebody who is a current beneficiary will not see her benefits cut by 24 percent we have not heard anything on our request and we've made multiple requests to meet with the president. Now, I, you can't comment on that. I realize that. But that is a fact. And if you've been told to say he stands ready to meet, I will tell you there's absolutely no evidence because we have not gotten our meeting. Now, Bill Cassidy is being ripped for being rude to Janet Yellen and calling Janet Yellen a liar. He did not call Janet Yellen a liar. He said it is a lie that Joe Biden cares anything about Social Security or is doing anything to fix Social Security because she is the one who said, oh, he takes it very seriously, very seriously. He takes a lot of things seriously. Funny, though, everything he takes seriously, he doesn't do anything to fix. He only makes it worse. So this to me is a reasonable and defendable way to confront lies in our society. You will be labeled. You will be lampooned. You will be criticized. They will attempt to cancel you. But here's the beautiful thing about cancel culture. It needs your permission. It really does need your permission. Anyone who wants to cancel you, you have to shrink back from the position that you have taken in order for cancel culture to have any power. It is similar to the phenomenon that I have observed for years and years and years and years about racial slurs or about uh, sexuality slurs. I mean, 
Are the slurs ugly? Of course they are. But do the slurs have power over the person at whom they are directed? Well, if the person at whom they are directed allows those words to hurt them or affect their behavior, then yes, they have a lot of power. But what if a person being secure in who they are, knowing who they are in Christ, refuses to allow a racial slur or a sexual slur to be applicable to them and instead views it as a reflection of the person who uttered it, because it is a reflection on the person who uttered it. It is a deep, dark reflection on the person who uttered it. It is not at all, unless the person to whom it is directed allows it to be, reflective of the person at whom it is directed. Not at all. Now, I got to tell you, I am surprised that Mike Pence is taking the position that I would take in the case of being targeted by cancel culture. Mike Pence, a while back, at a, well, it's not built as a campaign stop because it can't be built as a campaign stop because he's not a declared candidate yet, but it was definitely a campaign stop. A dinner and roast attended by politicians and journalists. At which Mike Pence made a joke. I know. I know. Breaking news. Mike Pence made a joke. (laughs) Here's the joke Mike Pence made about Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Uh, Pete is the only person in human history to have a child and everyone else gets postpartum depression. Now, that's a funny joke. I know the left doesn't think it's a funny joke because, of course, it's directed at Pete Buttigieg who is a fantastic transportation secretary, solely because he's gay. Not because he did a good job with the uh, supply chain crisis, not because he's done a good job keeping airplanes from nearly crashing into each other on runways, uh, not because he's done a good job with the East Palestine train derailment. No, Pete Buttigieg has done a tremendous job as transportation secretary solely because he is gay. That is why he is fantastic. And the left will, of course, never abandon Pete Buttigieg, or question Pete Buttigieg for taking maternity leave, even though he did not have a child. Because, of course, Pete Buttigieg is a man and is therefore incapable of having a child. So Pence made the joke, and the left came after him. Oh, it's homophobic! No, it's just funny. It's just funny. And surprisingly, when confronted with the criticism, Pence did not wilt. He said this, The gridiron dinner is a roast. I had a lot of jokes directed at me, and I directed a lot of jokes to Republicans and Democrats. The only thing I can figure is Pete Buttigieg not only can't do his job, but he can't take a joke. Therein is another good way to confront cancel culture, which is to double down. You don't like what I said? Here, take a little more with you. We're going to redefine the word roast. Reimagine, I'm sorry. Reimagine the word roast? Yeah, yeah. Why? Because it's racist, homophobic, something? According to the left, in this case. Yeah. Uh, Chastin Buttigieg, which, by the way, is there anything more emasculating than having your gay husband defend you in an interview? Uh, Chastin Buttigieg said on The View, oh, what a perfect venue for Chastin Buttigieg to defend Pete Buttigieg. Chastin Buttigieg said that Mike Pence's remark are Remarks are part of a much bigger trend attacking families. That's rich. Mike Pence is attacking families? 
I got news for you, Chastin Buttigieg and Pete Buttigieg. You can be gay. You can be married. You're not a family. Because God defines the family as one man and one woman and the children that result from that union. And children did not result from your union to Pete Buttigieg, your civil union or your marriage or whatever you want to call it. No children can. Biologically, only in your fantasies can children result from that. You can adopt them, but they did not result from your union. So to say that the Republican Party or Mike Pence are attacking families is utterly ridiculous. While you are the ones who would take children that do result from the union of a man and a woman, often in a marriage, and try to reorder their sexuality and then plead the case that it is Mike Pence and others who have voted for him or for his party in the past are attacking families? Well, I think that's pretty much proof that what I said in the last segment about the fact that Democrats take good values and misapply them, reverse them, in order to define their satanic enslavement, I think it pretty much reinforces what I just said. Because the arguments that they pose about, oh, would you rather have a live daughter or a dead son? That is what they say when they try to defend gender transitions and other lies, threatening you with the most vile scenario that, in fact, is more likely to come true if you yield to the delusion of your son or daughter in wanting to be under the influence of cross-sex hormones or, heaven forbid, mutilated by surgeries. So there's a lot of evil out there. A lot of people who have power uh, are evil, are enslaved to evil. And it is greatly troubling to those of us who see it for what it is, damaging to our country, damaging to our families, and as disrespectful as anything can be to God. So I want to talk here in the last segment of the show about our country and my thoughts about our country and the anxiety, I guess I have, over all of that, where we're headed. I have, I have three uh, relatively young girls. Uh, they're all um, above junior high school age, but none of them are out of college yet. And I would love for them to grow up in the country I grew up in. Uh, I, had a, I had a carefree upbringing. I grew up in a small town. Uh, it was a safe place. Um, I don't envision the country my kids will grow up in and if Christ doesn't come back, the country my grandkids will grow up in being that country. A lot of people are fighting for that country. A lot of good people are fighting in education. My old Tangy Tiger moms are fighting. My Columbus Classical Academy uh, organizers and and, uh, and founders are fighting. Um, I think a lot of uh, pro-life politicians, pro-life advocates are fighting. And I don't mean to uh, convey that we are losing. I, I just I don't know what the future holds. And I look at where we are when the president of the United States advocates for some of the evil things that he advocates for uh, when uh, he has 
biological men uh, masquerading as women in his cabinet uh, when he has a press secretary who lies every day. And I just think about role models and leadership and how utterly devoid of truth we are in our country. I read a quote today um, from John Calvin, and the quote was, when God wants to punish a nation, he gives it wicked rulers. We have wicked rulers. We do. So this morning I um, opened my Bible, and it was open, and I just opened it to Daniel 9. And I, I love the book of Daniel. Uh, the dreams are uh, are stark. And uh, in Daniel 10, there's a segment where Daniel is praying, and an angel, Michael, comes to Daniel and says to Daniel something to the effect of, this is my translation, I've been trying to come, and I was held up. You've been praying for something, and I've been trying to come, but I've been held up. And what I gather from that is that the forces of evil in our world are fighting against the forces of good, even when the forces of good are sent from heaven. There's a real spiritual battle going on right now. I don't know how you can look at the Biden administration and some of the things they advocate for and not see and hear that and feel that and know that. So as I was reading Daniel 9, it is a prayer from Daniel to God at the time when the nation of Israel was captive in Babylon. I don't know if we're going to be captive to China, Russia. I don't know. But I kind of feel like as Christians who prioritize God as the authority in our life. We're kind of captive now in this country, and it could get worse. It could become overt persecution. So I just wanted to read some of Daniel's prayer to you, and I think it's an instructive prayer that we could offer on behalf of our country. He says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. Boy, have we ever. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your prophets who spoke in your name, to our leaders and to all the people of this land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. We and our leaders are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. And we have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us. All of us have transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, curses and sworn judgments have poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. All this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. You have not hesitated to bring the disaster on us, for you are righteous in everything you do, yet we have not obeyed you. Now, Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, Turn away your anger and your wrath from us. Our sins and those of our ancestors 
have made us an object of scorn to those around us. Please hear our prayers and petitions. For your sake, Lord, look with favor upon us. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Yeah, the character of God does not change. Uh, Our adherence to the way he tells us to live, and make no mistake, he tells us how to live for our benefit. Does it not stand to reason that a God who would send his son to die for us and make heaven available to all of us would not give us bad advice or bad standards by which to live? He has already demonstrated his love to us his provision for us, by what he did for us by sending his son. That is why we adhere to the ways he tells us to live, not because we're trying to prove we're good enough. None of us are good enough. Only Christ was good enough on our behalf. But we obey because we recognize what he has done for us already that we can claim to cleanse us from all of the sin that Daniel just prayed about, and that certainly applies to us now. See, the obedience comes out of gratitude, not out of obligation. Otherwise, it comes from the wrong place. So I'd like to pray for our country. I'd like to pray for our kids. And so um, I just cry out to you, Lord, that you would give us wisdom as we fight against things that are clearly evil in our world that you'd give us courage to raise our families, to glorify you, that you'd give us each according to our gifts, talents, and various audiences in which you place us, the ability to speak effectively and draw people to you. The solution we need is not a political solution, it's a spiritual solution. Yet within our world, There are things that are clearly wrong from a political perspective. And we ask for your forgiveness for abortion, for our immorality, for our greed, for our materialism, for all the things that we do that distract us from focusing on you and the goodness that you have lavished on us by making available to us your forgiveness through Christ at the cross. I just pray each one of us would take our platform and use our platform to glorify you. And we wouldn't waste those opportunities that you give us, that you'd give us a keen sense of when those opportunities occur, how to address them. And that you give us another chance to get it right, because we've really messed it up. But you are a great God, a forgiving God, and a merciful God. For that, we are exceedingly great. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.